0: I wonder how often you get to the middle of your week and because of how things have transpired in the week your focal point is getting to the end of the week so you can just sit in a service so you can just be a part of a worship experience Anthony said it earlier I wonder if you ever get to the point in the middle of the week Where you need some church You, you need to be in church it's been so raggedy already I just need to be around some folk who understand that I'm nothing without him I need to be around some folk who understand that I need him to breathe in me I wonder if you ever get to that point I know I do sometimes I get to that place and I'm just struggling struggling Lord help me make it to the end of the week. Control my tongue and my thoughts so that I don't say anything to get me out of control. Please help me, please help me. And then I'm just waiting. It doesn't matter what, what he's singing when he's on this, on this instrument. Just sing something. Just sing something, something that touches me. Because really, just being in the place is its own level of medicine sometimes. I I wonder, just seeing y'all's faces sometimes lets me know that I'm in friendly territory. Hearing your voice sometimes is the music, much more music than sometimes the instrument can make. I just wanna be around y'all sometimes. It's a blessing to me and so I'm so glad, and I don't say that lightly, I don't say that for form or fashion, I'm so glad to be here with you today. I'm so glad to be in this place with this opportunity for worship, and I'm so thankful that we get yet another day to praise the Lord, to praise the Lord, because it didn't have to be this way. We take for granted too much for y'all for that it has to be us to be here. That, that, that doesn't have to be the case. There are some folk who did no less than we did, and they're not here today. But here we are, another blessed opportunity To celebrate how good God is I want to tell you and I pray am I talking about praying a few minutes ago I forgot to tell you that we've got some praises to send up for two of our folk that we've been asking you to pray about we've been asking you to pray last week for Mildred Dixon Mildred is home now and recuperating well so we ought to celebrate the Lord for And then we've been in mighty, mighty deep prayer for our friend in Tuscaloosa, Randy. We've been praying for him. And he's out of the hospital now and doing better now. Somebody ought to thank the Lord for that now. Somebody ought to really understand how powerful that is for him to be home. Yeah, yeah. Let me tell you this. It doesn't matter what the doctor says. The Lord has the final say-so in what's happening with folk. Yeah, yeah. when they come in with their head hung low, you just look up. And that's the Lord to have his say-so over a situation. Keep praying for him. He's got a long way to go, but my God, how far has he come? Yeah. He believes in prayer. He's a praying man, and he loves the Lord, and God knows that. So we thank God that he's doing better. This month is our month-long emphasis on prayer and fasting. So our sermons have been along that line. Last week we talked about David. And And a psalm he wrote, a song he wrote, a prayer he uttered to the Lord. All those things are correct. He ordered to the Lord to strengthen him during a time of struggle. It was Psalm 51 that we concentrated on because this month we are praying through the Psalms. Praying through the Psalms. We're looking in the Psalms to identify prayers that are included in the Psalms. I don't know if you look at it like that. But there are prayers in the Psalms that can encourage us and strengthen us, and give us what we need in order to be better and to do better in life. How many of you have experienced that before, that, that a psalm or a passage of Scripture have instructed you and helped you to know and do better in life? Am I the only one? Yeah. yeah. People often say, if I'm going to start reading the Bible, where do I start? And for some reason, ministers always suggest that people start in the psalms, in the psalms, because they are, first of all, compact enough. And so just grab one of them out there and just start studying that one. And then use some Bible aids that you can find to help benefit you in learning how the Psalms are. Of course, anybody can go and tell the story of Genesis. But if you want to know what people think about God and how he speaks through them, go to the songs that have been written. People mistakenly think that David wrote them all. He didn't. We're going to learn today that there were many, many writers of Psalms, David, Solomon, Today we're going to write, learn about another group of people who wrote psalms that are instructive for us, all right? And the opportunity is, the opportunity for us to learn from this person, I believe, will be beneficial. It helped me in my personal walk, my personal ministry, this psalm was so instructive to me. And it's, it's found in Psalm, the one I'm talking about is Psalm 73, Psalm 73. While you're looking for that, I believe Tam is already on it. She's going to put that up for us. In some form, I know she is. So. so let me ask you these questions before we get into reading this. writ. You don't have to answer out loud. Sometimes just think about it, meditate on it, answer inwardly. Do you sometimes envy folk who are doing better? Than you are. Well, okay, that's question one. <laughs> All right. Yeah. All right. <laughs> question two <laughs> If you sometimes envy folk, are some of the folk you sometimes envy evil and wicked? But they seem to be prospering anyway. Oh, come on now. All right, all right. You didn't let me get the thought out, but he he chopped me up a little bit. But it works both ways. Do you ever sometimes doubt that God is being good in your life specifically? You ever doubt his goodness in your life? Yeah. Do you ever doubt the need to always try to be righteous? Oh, I see. Now you started answering out loud. I didn't tell you to do that. When you get the one that steps on your toes, then you want to be quiet. I didn't ask you to do I'm saying, think about these things. Do, you, do I always have to do right? Can I cuss somebody out and then pray? Does, does one cancel the other one out? Oh. Uh, Is there a righteous righteous cuss out? (laughs) Remember now, we're meditating. Yeah, 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 yeah. How about this? Do I desire a relationship with the Lord over anything else? Over anything else? Is that my chief priority in life, to, to know him? To know him. Psalm 73 is the story of a churchman who was also a musician. His name is Asaph. Asaph and his men wrote a number of Psalms. Specifically, they wrote Psalm 50, and then they wrote Psalms 73 through 83. These are songs now, if you heard them presented in the original manner, they would be put to music, that's what the psalms are, it's poetry, but it's also lyrics, people sing these songs. It doesn't sound like our kind of singing, but it's singing nonetheless, you know, whenever we hear singing, we always have to put it into our context and so if it doesn't sound like our context then to us it's not singing but it makes it no less a song just because we can't pick up the cadence or the, yeah, or the rhyme time, there you go, music folk over there, they they know they know I know sometimes in here when folk are singing it don't sound like music (laughs) yeah I'm one of them (laughs) I don't know rhythm and that kind of stuff, I don't and so it struggles but but I'm not singing to y'all. <laughs> I'm singing to the Lord. And so when I'm singing to him, as long as he's appreciative of what's going on, then, then I think we are okay. But here we are with Asaph. And Asaph was at a spot in his life, y'all. There's a message that he has given us about anybody who ever experiences doubt in their relationship with the Lord whoever struggles from having relationship, not religion, but relationship, and whoever looks at life and sees iniquities and wonders and has the audacity to ask the question, why? Why? Let me read it for you in some part, if you'll allow me. He wrote, God is truly good to Israel, starts out with a good foundation, to those who have pure hearts, But then he jumps into it. He says, but I had almost stopped believing. I had almost lost my faith because I was jealous of proud people. I saw wicked people doing good. They are not suffering. They are healthy and strong. They don't have troubles like the rest of us. They don't have problems like other people. They wear pride like a necklace and put on violence and put on violence as their clothing. They are looking for profits and do not control their selfish desires. They make fun of others and speak evil. Proudly they speak of hurting others. They brag to the sky. They say, they are, they say that they own the earth. Asaph got something in him, don't he? And so walk with me on this now. Walk with me on this. I'm going to see if I can walk through this and get, get out of here. The first thing we see from our friend Asap is that he has a distressing problem. He's got a distressing problem, all right? This is the man who's been leading the church in worship. This is the man who's been coming to church and preparing a foundational atmosphere for everybody else to come in and worship. And, and low-key, he's struggling every Sunday. When he comes in there, he doesn't understand why I'm sitting here trying to do right, and and the folk out there doing wrong or doing better than I am. It just don't make sense to me. Yeah. Now, see, that might not mean anything to you, but people like me who have had our dark years, we understand it, cause I had some dark years. See, I too was raised in the church, but from 1982. To about 1980, 93, those were what I call my dark years. That's when going to church was hit or miss. That that's when I might go, I might do, I might understand. I didn't see purpose in it, so I didn't practice it. And because I didn't see purpose in it, I stayed away. Those were dark years for me. And because they were dark years for me, guess what? They were dark years for my family. Because you know it's hard for my family to go around the leader. I didn't get up on Sunday, so they didn't get up on Sunday. We did, we ate pancakes and watched cowboy shows. But we certainly didn't come to church. And I certainly wasn't thinking about being a leader in the church. They were dark years for me. The sad part about it was I was a confessing Christian. I told folk I loved the Lord, and I did. But love is as love does. Yeah, I loved him, and I never went to see him. For real, I, if I did, it was because cause something was going on. And look, at the time, I was speaking in churches everywhere. But I'd go in church and speak and go home and speak no more. Oh, yeah, now, now I see some of y'all looking at me with these sanctified scalpels. Ready to slice me up. The only problem is I know I ain't the only one who had these dog periods. It might not feel good to admit it, but I don't want to leave Asaph out here struggling on his own. I don't want to make it seem like Asaph is the only one who reached a point in his walk with the Lord that that he just didn't understand no more. Why was it relevant to even go into a church in the first place? Now, it's not that I didn't have people in my ear encouraging me, it, that's not the case at all because I had a praying mama. Oh, oh, she always had something to say about whether or not we were going to church. She always had something to say about what we were doing. I'm telling you, I had folk pushing me. I had a pastor for a grandfather. Yeah, church was on every Sunday in our house. I just wasn't in that place. And it helped me to be in the dark, Reggie, that I was out of town. It helped me. Yeah, I was living in other places. So I didn't have to regularly see their faces. I could take a phone call every now and then. Y'all go to church today? No. How's everybody in Birmingham? <laughs> <laughs> Mama and them doing all right? I could have that conversation with them and get out of it real quick. But in nineteen ninety three, the army ended and I came home. And it got harder and harder every Sunday for me to have another excuse as to why I couldn't step up in church no more. And suddenly I had to start giving some serious consideration to this relationship thing. Somebody know what I'm talking about. I couldn't hide behind distance anymore. I couldn't hide behind excuses anymore. And I found myself, like Asaph, in this place. In this place. So let me tell you how I see Asaph's situation and see if you understand ASAP is suffering what we call spiritual nearsightedness, spiritual nearsightedness, okay? That's why I want to illuminate this topic for you because I think those of us who struggle sometimes suffer from this. I see a whole lot of people in here with these on. It's not just a physical condition, say, spiritual condition. Spiritual myopia, myopia is a condition that can mess you up in your walk. Yeah. Asaph gives us the impression in his writing that he was staying away from the church, and and, and because of this, he had gone through some profound changes. He had taken his eyes off the prize. He felt like giving up. In fact, he was almost almost at the point of giving up, all right? And, and, and he almost really messed up. He stopped looking at the Lord, and he started looking at the crowd. He had reached that point in his walk. You remember Peter? When, when the Lord, for those of you who've ever heard the story of Peter walking on water, Peter was doing okay as long as he kept his eyes on the Lord. But when he took his eyes off the Lord, he started to sink, all right? Asaph had taken his eyes off the Lord, and he started to to sing, At the opening verse, he gives us the foundational knowledge about him. He said, he said to us clearly, God is truly good to Israel and to those who have a pure heart. In other words, I know the Lord, and I know what he's done. That's not foreign to me. I know him. But then it takes a turn, and he talks about what he had been doing. He was distressed, y'all. And let me tell you this. If you are distressed, the best way to get out of that situation is to first acknowledge, I'm struggling right now. Stop just going through the motion and acting like everything is okay. You need to find someone who understands and can help talk with you in this situation. I'm gonna get to that a little bit later. And because he was distressed, the second point is he had a distorted perspective on life. Distorted. Oh, yeah. Spiritual Nearsightedness. Nearsightedness is the state of not being able to see distances without the aid of something. You need something in order to bring it into focus. All right? And because you're nearsighted, you struggle with this, Anthony, only being able to see what's right around you. You can't see in the distance. I hope you hear me now. You can't see down the road. You only look at what folk are going through. And because of that, he was in a place of despair. He kept looking at the prosperity of the wicked today, he kept looking at the influence of the ungodly today. All right? And because he kept looking so closely around him, it made him fall from a place where he appreciated God's grace. Listen to him. He said, I was envious of the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. He said, Their eyes stand out with fatness and they have more than heart could wish. He had paid attention really closely to them. All right. What he did was take a walk through the suburbs in his community. And he realized that the wrongdoers were living large everywhere. Yeah, they were. They were doing. And now it ain't, it ain't just the folk you think. Yeah, it's not just pooking them, standing out there on the corner, slinging. That's not who he's looking at. Because those aren't the only folk doing wrong. Now, I, I hope those are just the ones who are more obviously doing wrong. There's a whole lot of folk in powerful places doing wrong, and ASAP knew about them too. Some of them on Wall Street, some of them on Yo Street, they doing wrong. All right? They are, they are mismanaging folk retirement and laughing about it and talking about how much stuff they take from folk. These folk are doing wrong, and when he, when he, what really threw him was the conversation that he was hearing. It wasn't just that the folk were doing wrong, it's that they were bragging about doing wrong. And, and guess what, that would be bad enough if they were just talking amongst themselves, but the more they talked, people were listening. And they were getting converts to doing what they said was right, but it was really, really wrong. All right? They were doing stuff like selling inferior products to people and then slapping a Made in the USA label on there to make sure folk went in there and bought it. They, they foreclosed on folk houses uh, illegally and then laughed because they put them out in the street. These folk were doing wrong. They paid folk less than the minimum wage. All right? They made part-time workers work more than they were supposed to and give them, didn't give them overtime. See, Wrong doesn't just do criminal activity that's obvious. Wrong is wrong, just like right is, is right. And I tell folks you, you can't do wrong and right at the same time. Some people have gotten to a place where they think they can do wrong and right at the same time. It doesn't work that way. So look at this. Asaph is walking through life. Right now, he is near-sighted and struggling because he's struggling with a spiritual condition and he doesn't understand what it was. He has a distorted perspective on life. Let me see if I can bring this home to you, make sure you understand. When you're in church and you don't understand the true mission of the church, all you do is start looking around at the folk in the church and what they're doing. And when you look at them and you see people who seem to be struggling in church, But yet they are there every time they open the church doors. You see folk who are always in the choir no matter what. You see people who are always dependable in the church. And then you look outside the church and you see folk who wouldn't darken the door. And yet they seem to be doing so much better than everybody else. Just like ASAP, you might start wondering, why do I need to go to church in the first place? And the reason you say that is because you too are only looking at things short-sightedly. You don't have a long enough vision on the problem. When you are suffering from spiritual nearsightedness, you can only see temporal things. You can only see earthly things. You can only see physical things. You do not see things spiritually. And can I tell you this? If you love the Lord, then you must see things spiritually to understand what's going on. Even the disciples that sat around Jesus didn't understand what his purpose was. They thought he was going to ride in and overthrow Jerusalem. They didn't know that his kingdom was not of this world. They didn't understand that the, he had the long plan in mind when it came to being a believer. And because Asaph did not understand this he had a distorted perspective and look at this look at this he gets down and he talks about all the problems they have in verses 1 through just about 17 but 17 in that passage provides the change on him where did he get the change he said I went back to church he said I went back to church even though I'm struggling with this disturbing pain, even though I'm looking, trying to live a reverent life, and I don't understand what it's all about, even though I have been tithing before, I've been helping the needy before, I've been worshiping the Lord, not just on the Sabbath, but every day, even though I was raised following the Mosaic law, I still slipped and did not understand, even though I was teaching folk in choir rehearsal and writing new music for them. Even though I spent time reflecting on the Lord, I still almost slipped, and I pulled myself away from the church. I've noticed all these folks in all these rundown neighborhoods who seem to be so pious and so reverent and love the Lord so much. They're decent people, and I keep wondering, Lord, why not them? Why aren't they living better? They love you. Why are they struggling so much every day? It just didn't make sense to him, and that's because he only concentrated on the here and the now. And the here and the now can fool you sometimes. Let me tell you this. If you were in a hospital room, in Tuscaloosa a few weeks ago, there was a patient there who the doctors came in and did not have good things to say. And if you had this short-sightedness or near-sightedness, this problem, if you were only looking at what was going on in that, that, whole, in that hospital room, but if you had a spiritual view of the situation, then you know that God can change any situation He puts His mind to. You couldn't see five weeks in advance or two months in advance, but God had already blessed that situation. You just could not see it because you were struggling. But I know there's a mama who could see it. Why? Because she trusted the Lord enough. There's a brother who could see it. I know because I talked to him and he told me flat out. He said he's a praying man and he understands what prayer is about and we're just going to believe that God is going to do what he said he was going to do. That's not a way of looking at the physical. That's a way of looking at the spiritual. And if you are one who is struggling right now, you're going to have to understand that this is a spiritual wall. And it's not a physical wall. Some of us are struggling right now because we keep looking at what God has done for me today. Today. We want him to give us all of our blessings today. Rick Warren said this. He said, when he saved you, he gave you the best thing he could ever give you in life. And yet we don't understand that that's a long-term prospect. We still want the fancy house. Oh, that's natural. We still want the right job. We still want the right, the the made for TV family. We want all of those situations. And when they don't happen, like ASAP, we're struggling. And we are struggling because we don't have proper enough vision. Let me see if I can make it clear. In order to correct your physical vision, you have to have some, some AIDS some glasses. All right. Spiritual nearsightedness can be corrected if you have spiritual corrective lenses. All right. Spiritual correct- corrective lenses can enhance your ability to see distant things more clearly and give you a better outlook on life. Let me see if I can make it clear. Maybe you come to church like Asaph did, because this is what happened, He struggled out in the street, but he came to a service one day, one Sunday, walked back in. I bet like you or me, he didn't come to the front anymore. Even though he was a musician, he didn't dare come in and try to lead the choir because he didn't feel comfortable with that. He probably came and sat near the back of the church because that's what we do. I can tell you I did that for a long time. I wouldn't get close. To the church, the notion being the closer I got to him, the more he was able to see me. Never realizing that he could see me anywhere I was, whether I was in a church or not. But that's how we do when we're struggling with our relationship, when we have a distorted perspective, when we're dealing with the disturbing pain of dealing with circumstances that we don't understand, we sneak almost in church. And we sit in the back of church, and and this ain't got nothing to do with where you're sitting today, but pay attention now. Every now and then, you ought to rotate your seat. Every now and then, you ought to move around just a little bit. Sometimes, you ought to want to come lay on the altar. Sometimes, you want to come get close to the altar, because that's how good you feel about being in the presence of the Lord. Can I tell you this? You don't have to sit in the back to be seen by God. You don't have to sit in the front. To be seen by God you have to acknowledge that he is God though he sees you whether you acknowledge him or not and Asap snuck in church that way that Sunday and he came in and he sat in the back and I don't know who was on the instrument that day. It was probably Reggie and Reggie started playing a song <laughs> Reggie took over after he got there and do you know that do you know do you know that the Word of God and songs can be corrective lenses to people who are struggling from spiritual and nearsightedness. Look, look, good singing, like we had a little bit ago, can be a corrective lens. Yeah. Oh yeah, M- maybe the choir starts singing something like, why should I feel discouraged? And, and why should the shadows come? And, and why should my heart be lonely and long? For a heavenly home when 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 Jesus is my portion. Now ASAP wouldn't have heard nothing about Jesus. Not at that time. But you and I can hear about Jesus and we can know that Jesus is our portion. Not only that, we can hear from the song that he's a constant friend. And we know, we know, we can be validated that since his eye is on the sparrow, then we can walk away knowing that I know he's also watching me. So good singing can be a corrective lens and help you see further than you would be able to physically. Not only that, the word of God is a corrective lens you got to come sit in a place to get a word from someone who knows how to correct your, bl- your vision. Let, let me see. If, maybe you came in and the preacher started talking about the passage that tells us to fret not because of evildoers. Neither be envious against the workers of iniquity. It's almost as if he was hearing a message that was designed for him. Have you ever walked in church and it seemed like the preacher was preaching to you? seem like he read your biography and knew exactly what you needed that's a spiritual condition when he does that that means you have been locked and loaded and that message is for you that day that means you came in with your cup empty and the lord is filling it up for you but you got to come in like asap did needing something let me tell you the worst church experience is when you come in knowing everything when can't nobody tell you nothing about your life. When you can preach the sermon better than the one preaching the sermon. That's a miserable church experience. Yeah, let me tell you this, you can learn from anybody. And too many times we waste a Sunday worship experience because we come into the church already solving our own problems. And if you solve your own problems, what you need the Lord for? But I can tell you this right now, when you solve your own problems, you get exactly what you deserve. But when the Lord solves your problems, then he takes care of it, not just for today, but all the way. If you give it to him, spiritual corrective lenses can come and tell you that evildoers won't always prosper because they'll soon be cut down like the grass and they will be burned up in the drawers. I'm here to tell you, you got to know that you have this problem in order to seek the correction in the first place. Look, look, look at this. Some people need to have not spiritual eyeglasses or, or corrective lenses like this, but some of them need spiritual contacts. <laughs> spiritual contacts. I, I don't know that I can wear contacts. I'm struggling with some vision issues right now, physical issues and i don't think contacts and some people can't wear contact not physical contacts but every one of us can have spiritual contact oh yeah oh, oh what is a spiritual contact reverend Spa? a spiritual contact is somebody that you are in contact with who can bless you with their knowledge of the word and who can strengthen you in your walk and witness in other words when your vision is blurred they can help correct your vision if you stay in contact with them that's the problem though you and i don't want to stay in contact with them and so the contact lenses don't work. I, I know this to be true, because sometimes the spiritual contact doesn't is not the person you think it is. Some people think it's always the pastor, and it can be. But your spiritual contact can also be your spouse, who can help you see a situation differently than you had seen before. I found that your spiritual contact can also be a child, your child, who is more spiritually mature about some things than you are. And Lord knows you need to have some friends as your spiritual contact who can sit you down, turn you around, straighten you out, and draw you closer to the Lord, but you got to have those contacts put in. And can I tell you, just like real contacts, you have to keep those lenses lubricated. Yeah, you have to, in other words, you have to keep the, the, the relationship well all so that they go in smoothly. Sometimes when you don't put your contact lenses in right, it can cause irritation. That's how it is when one of your spiritual contacts tries to tell you something without y'all having the right relationship. They can cause irritation in your life and you will put it down and throw it away. And not try to use it anymore having a good relationship means you have to keep it well. all the church symbolizes the presence of God and I realize that this is just a building that's made of brick and mortar but there's something uniquely different about this building I know many of you may not have ever experienced this uh, and maybe you have but there have been times many times when I've just had to come to this church myself, nobody else in the building. I can come in the back door, go up to the office, and I can sit down, and there's something I have to do in there, but it does not give me the same feeling as just when, me, just me. If I walk into this sanctuary by myself, nobody in here, but I can still feel some kind of way because I'm in this sanctuary by myself. Some of you may have had this experience. You may be yelling and talking at somebody out in the vestibule, but as soon as you step into the room, there's something about being in the sanctuary of the Lord that controls how you look at things, how you do things, how you interact with folk. Folk normally go to hushed tones. Yeah, people are more reverent in their relationship. In fact, you don't even want to think wrong when you're sitting in here because you know if you got a relationship with the Lord, it's almost as if you got an MRI on your life and he can see it a little bit clearer if you think bad about somebody while you're in here. Now, it's not this way, Cedric, with other places. I don't feel that way when I walk in City Hall. In fact, some of them places up in there, I feel exactly the opposite. When I walk around in there, there are places all around the city that don't give me that experience. I can go in a museum. I don't get that feeling, but there's something about being in the house of the Lord. And can I tell you, it's not just being in this sanctuary. It's any sanctuary that I go into. We had the ability to go to the Vatican a few years ago. And we went into and we went into all of the different little enclaves within the room, and can I tell you this, there's just something, I'm not Catholic. I, I wasn't there to see the Pope, and yet knowing his position, knowing what he means to so many people, put us in a state of reverence, just walking through that facility. There were hundreds of other people there, And everybody was walking around almost in awe of the place they were in. Can I tell you, there's something about being in church that has something to change, that can help you change your life. Do you understand that staying away from church is the greatest problem you have with getting closer to the Lord? I know we live in a generation now that does not think that coming to church is important. But there's something special about being around the people of God. There's something special about worshiping together and fellowshipping together. The Bible tells us not to forsake the assembly of God. I'm not just talking about come to church because I want to see you every Sunday. I'm telling you to come because it's going to make your life better. It's going to bring peace into your life. There's something unique about the activities that take place in this building. Look at this. It's where young people and old people can come together. There's no big eyes and little yous when you come in here. It's where young folk can lead old folk and get the respect that comes just from being a leader. It's a place where titles don't matter. Or they're not supposed to matter. There's something unique about our worship experience in church too. Look, it's the only place that you can scream and shout. And won't nobody come see you if wrong with you. You can sit there in your place and holler if you want to. And every now and then you need to holler just to get it out. You can clap. You can stomp. Some folk even get to running if they want to. But it's the place that gives you freedom to fully expect who you are. But you can't see that as long as your vision is messed up when you're suffering from spiritual myopathy, you only see things right around you. I came to tell you today that this is for the long haul, y'all. This is for the long haul. This is not just for today. This is for tomorrow. My hope is built on Jesus Christ, and if he comes and gets me today, my Lord, thank you. But if he doesn't, i've got to have enough faith to see down the road that he's going to take care of me until i get to a place where he comes to get me now come what may during that time i'm not promised that i'm going to have a bed of roses until i get there I'm not promised I'm going to have perfect health until I get there. I'm not promised I'm going to have perfect relationship until I get there. But what I am promised is that he'll never leave me and he'll never forsake me all the way. If I start just looking for all the good that's going on right now, then that's too short-sighted. I got to look at the ultimate good in one day, when this life is over, when all the saints of the ages have been called to be with the lord one day all of the trouble of this world will be over and done and i'll be with the lord whatever the particulars were in asaph's experience he too had to get that wake-up call i came to tell you today i'm glad you came to church today and you may be asking yourself well why did i come today maybe today is your asaph moment Maybe today is the day where you had to understand, stop worrying about the troubles of this world. Stop letting that be the focal point of your life. Maybe today is the day you learn that God loves you and has loved you all the way through the experiences that you've been in. Some of you are struggling because you want to know what's going to happen tomorrow. And I came to tell you today, I don't know what's going to happen in your life tomorrow. I, I don't know. What's going to happen on your job tomorrow? The songwriter put it better than me. He said, many things about tomorrow. I I just can't seem to understand. But I know who holds tomorrow. And I know who holds my hand. Maybe today is the day you just came to church for me to remind you that it doesn't matter about all that stuff that's going on out there. Stop focusing your life on what you got and what you're going to get and focus your life on who's got you and who's going to take care of you. That's what's important to you. And if you know that the Lord loves you and you love the Lord, then rest on his promises because his promises are always yes and amen. His promises are always in your favor. His promises are always for a good end and a good result for you. Rest on His promises. Stop just looking around you and start looking up ahead of you. Amar is going to stand right now. And as they sing, I want to share this with you. Jesus Christ came to earth looking down the road at 33 years later. He didn't look at what was going on around him he looked at the cross that was before him he looked at eternity that was before him and he walked all the way there And he did it just for me and you he did it so you and I could have a right to eternal life with his father can I tell you if you've accepted him if you know him as your Savior then eternal life is yours. There's nothing anyone can do to take that away from you. The circumstances of this life won't block you from going to heaven. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. So today, if you've not accepted what Jesus Christ came to do, then here's the opportunity to do it. Opportunities opportunity the doors of our church are wide open. Whosoever will, let them come right now. Right now.